I just realized that Wesleyan was a huge bubble. The ideal vision of my, my creative career, my life, what does that look like? I know so many people who have been unbelievably depressed. Almost half of my paycheck was going to my rent. I mean, it's been a, a tough first year. You've just graduated from college. You need to find a job and a place to live, make new friends, manage your money, and set yourself up for success. That's a lot, right? In this podcast, you will hear from recent grads reflecting on their experiences and from experts who will tell you how to do it right. I'm Sharon belden Castingway, Director of the Gordon Career Center at Wesleyan University, and this is First Year Out. Major transitions can be very exciting. For many, graduating from college means a new city, new friends, a new way of supporting yourself. You're reinventing your life. And while that can be a positive experience in many ways, it's also important to address how stressful it can be. Then I went home and was depressed for like five months is what I did. <laughs> um, I, again, was lucky enough to have a, a home to return to. And um, I think I did what a lot of kids do upon graduating and not having like a super clear path, which is um, living at home, living off your parents, trying and failing to find a job, and um, just perusing the Twitter accounts of other students who got a job immediately after college and were somehow verified on Twitter at the age of 22, and just just being sad about that. <laughs> so that was <laughs> my trajectory, I guess. That was Johnny Lezevnik, class of 2016, who today is a television writer in LA, reflecting on his experience graduating from college. I know so many people who have been unbelievably depressed just because, like you said, you have this whole support system, you have all your friends, and suddenly it's all gone, and you're living at home, and you might not have a job, and those things can just make you sad, and again, it's, it's no one's fault, um, it's definitely not a Wesleyan-specific thing, but I was shocked to find out how many people it had happened to, um, it's pretty much everyone, and I think it's so easy to go on social media and see other people who seem happy and successful right out of college, because those are the people who are posting, obviously. Um, and I think my main piece of advice would just be like, a lot of people are sad after graduating, and you should reach out to your friends and just say like, I'm sad, and like, how are you feeling? Because chances are they probably are sad for a little while too. Today, we're talking about stress something we all deal with when making major transitions, but I think we can all recognize that graduating is uniquely stressful. Joining me today is Neil Sardana, a psychotherapist at Wesleyan's Office of Counseling and Psychological Services. Neil, why do you think graduating is such a uniquely stressful experience? Just thinking about graduating, I think of just how much of a transition it is. We've always faced transitions in our life, but especially graduating, you're moving from a place where everything was really structured, you know, in a sense, the system of school in terms of just going to classes, having all your, a lot of your social supports and academic supports all in one place. So now moving to, you know, world of work or graduate school or wherever that is for you and having to face all those transitions at once, you know, you're facing again, trying to build a social network or you're trying to find your supports, or your supports aren't all in one place. Or, you know, just in terms of even looking for a work, trying to figure out 
what you want to do or knowing that work wouldn't fulfill all your needs in a sense. So you're having to set up all many different aspects of your life at once. So I think that's what makes it, you know, a stressful transition. And then also in terms of, you know, a lot of times we tend to compare ourselves to our peers in a sense. So I think it's easy to get caught up in that when you see your peers, like, you know, on Facebook or social media saying, oh, they got this certain job or this position. And then you feel like, oh, you don't have it figured out. And I think that could just lead to a lot of stress also. So I think that's what makes the transition really difficult from, you know, especially college into the world of work or graduate school or whatever, you know, students end up doing. Mia Rossi, a musician from the class of 2014, shared with me how she tried to gain perspective. Because what happens when you get, like, really um, just down on yourself in, in the creative sense is, like, you know, here's where I need to be and, like, here's where I am and you're just, like, the gap is dizzying, right? And then one way to sort of try and, like, bridge that is looking at how other people are doing it right now, not just, like, reading their Wikipedia pages, which is something I also have done, which can stress you out because then you look at how old they are and, you know, calculating, like, how old they were when they had their first single be successful or whatever. Um, But sort of, like, getting in touch with people who are still on their way and still, like, working to make it, I think is important um, and will really help put things in perspective for me. Like, talking with other, like, other alums from Wesleyan who maybe are in a band or have, like, played shows, and that's my next step. So I think being able to see, like, like the evolution um, like, you know, the shirts of like, there's like the chimp and then it's like the evolution to the human. <laughs> I sort of, yeah, I'm sort of thinking of that with like the, the evolution of like one's creative career. And something I've been thinking about recently too, is it's not about like, obviously, you know, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but really it's like to be the most like the most you um, is something that you can do now. Um, and that's something that I'm working on right now. And like, how, how do I, like this ideal scene, this like ideal vision of my, my creative career, my life, what does that look like? And how can I basically like do that now as much as possible? Like, it's sort of fake it till you make it, but like, um, it's it's a little deeper than that. It's sort of like feeling like I'm here on my way to like the next evolution. I'm like in, I'm like getting there, as opposed to I'm I'm here and like it's over there. One of the things I often say to seniors at the beginning of the year is that a lot of the students who say that they have a clear plan and have it all figured out are lying. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) That on a campus like this one, that's the kind of thing they feel like they have to say as opposed to, I really do have this all figured out. I know, Neil, that you and I share an interest in concepts of identity So I'd like to talk about that a little bit, too. One of the things that I see is that for students to have to give up the identity of being a student, 
and then having to take on a new one that is not as well defined is part of this process as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think about that. And a lot of students actually talk about that in therapy in terms of, you know, it's identity that they've held for basically their whole lives. You know, you think of elementary school all the way through an undergraduate career of what it means to be a student. Yeah. And then going to the world of work, you're, yeah, redefining yourself. And you think of your identity as a worker or, you know, going to the world of work that also encompasses, again, you're drawing on whatever your kind of social identities are, your personal identities, your cultural identities, and you're also what you value, what your skills are. There's so many different aspects that go into it where I can see how it can be really, really confusing, actually, to figure out how to just navigate that landscape. Even something as seemingly simple as what to wear in the morning can seem difficult, as noted by Alton Wang, class of 2016, an activist for the Asian American community. Jokingly, I always say that the most uncomfortable thing about the work world is wearing a suit. Even something as seemingly basic as having to wear something different can be really paralyzing. Yeah. To some, you know, especially if the manner of dress that's expected of them in their particular workplace is at odds with their identities. Oh, yeah. There goes from manner to dress to even just the language that people may be using in the workplace. There's so many different aspects of when you're going to the workplace, it's just a feeling of difference, actually. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times for new graduates, it's, I don't know, there's a term called imposter syndrome, you know, where you're especially going into a new role and you feel like maybe you're not deserving or feeling out of place. And it's really getting a sense of connecting to who you are and what you bring. And that's going to really help you get through that. Yeah, certainly the imposter syndrome is something that we see a lot on elite college campuses. One of the things that I typically say during our first year orientation is the admission office did not make a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That every single one of you is supposed to be here. That's probably something that new graduates should keep in mind when they join the workforce as well. That if they land that job, they beat out a lot of competition for it. Oh, yeah, that they were hired for a reason. And the funny thing with imposter syndrome is it's actually, and it occurs actually when you're becoming more successful right. in a sense. So actually the fact that you're experiencing it means you actually achieved a deal of success. You've, you know, you've made it through Wesleyan and you're in this job already. So you've already achieved the success, but that's when it, you may feel it increasing. Right, right. And you might continue to feel it at those different milestones throughout yeah. your life. You're getting into graduate school or getting a promotion or making a lateral move into a more prestigious organization, you might find those things continuing to come back. Yeah. Yeah, you Yeah, you notice it coming back. And right. but I think as you connect and you get a better sense of who you are, that becomes easier to deal with because you have a more sense of security in yourself through your experiences through life. And I think that's a big thing also to just think about, because you think about kind of graduating from college and moving into, you know, career or job, and you think of it as like a starting over in a sense, Mm -hmm. but you forget about all the experiences and all the successes that you've had while you're in college, and, and actually remembering that, to carry that with you, and that you've already achieved that, and it's not starting over, but this is actually, you know, graduating from Wesleyan is another step in your career. 
Right. And that there's going to be ebbs and flows to your career. I think one of the challenges as well is that when you're going through school, there's this very clear path forward. Oh, yeah. Right. You're going to finish that class. You're going to get that grade. And it's going to be very transparent, right? In a way that feedback and movement in the work world, regardless of your profession, it's really not going to be that transparent. No. I mean, you're... Yeah, how success is measured is going to be really different. And you're right. Like, it's not about getting a grade on a paper. Right. And it's also, I mean, you just think of how the world of work maybe has changed over generations. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I think it was people have 12 to 14 jobs by the age of, like, 40. Right. And then within <laughs> that, like, it's in four or five different fields. So it is also something where, you know, especially in college, you know, you might have your major and you're like, well, my major is going to lead to my job, but really it's maybe it will lead to your first job. Right. But then it's still a learning process of where you're going to go and it's not going to be a straight line in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I find that I like to rephrase the job search in the senior year as you're not looking for what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You're looking at what you're going to do next year. Yeah. You know, to think in terms of short-term goals, not long-term goals, because I feel like a lot of students get paralyzed by this idea that they're going to have to take on this new identity that's going to stick, and that they're choosing something that's then going to be their professional identity for the next several decades, as opposed to maybe the next several years. And actually, I find that by the time I close out our books on a graduating class, I'm in charge of getting in all the information on on graduates and where they've landed, I find that by the end of December, after graduation, when I'm closing the books, a lot of seniors have already changed jobs. (laughs) They're already on their second job. Um, One of the things that we hear students talk about as well is the fact that they're leaving the bubble of college, that they've become used to a certain culture and they have to acclimate to a new culture or they might be dealing with far more diverse points of view than they did in college. Let's hear from Maimuna Sibi, class of 2016, who today works for a tech company. I just realized that Wesleyan was a huge bubble. And I feel like throughout these interviews, you're probably gonna hear a lot of the the same things. Um, I don't know, you leave Wesleyan, you're at Wesleyan for four years, and you're just surrounded by so many incredible thinkers, so many incredible conversations, even though everyone doesn't think exactly the same way, you at least have a space where like, it's encouraged to, to bring up things, um, hard, hard topics and like really, I don't know, talk about them, work them out, or sit in sadness because these things can't be changed immediately. Um, and then you graduate into the real world. And even though you're working with people who are around your age, you realize that everyone wasn't taught the same things, which is fine. But you also realize that people, I don't know, for me it kind of felt like the world hadn't stopped. The world hadn't been moving in the same direction that we were as critical thinkers. Um, And I just heard a lot of really offensive and problematic things. And it really scared me. (laughs) Or, I don't know, it made me feel like I was being judgmental, but it also felt like a lot of what was being said around me was not okay. So just struggling with, like, I was given the tools to learn certain things, and I shouldn't expect that everyone understands and speaks in the same way, but also knowing that some things 
that were being said were just not okay. Um, and some of the behaviors that I noticed were also just ridiculous. Here's Alton Wang again, speaking of his experience as a policy advocate. I think a lot of it also had to do is learning how to work with, you know, people with competing interests, right? Especially if you're in the advocacy, nonprofit, policy, um, government space, you know, you always have to have a mentality that, you know, there's not only one way to do something and it might not be your way to do something because there's so many people with so many different interests that are all valid in many ways, right? And we have to figure out a way to how to come together and, and either compromise or find a way to address everybody's needs. Is, is this something that you've heard much about or something that you could comment on? I mean, comment on, I think, yeah, moving from college. Yeah, I've heard about the Wesleyan bubble a lot. So a lot of people bring that up. And what does it mean to, yeah, go to a new place and you're being around, yeah, different points of views and also just in terms of your life, actually, like a lot of aspects of your life are changing. And I think what I know is helpful is, or what I talk to a lot of students about is, you know, people think about kind of looking for a job that's going to fulfill certain needs in their life. And a job is going to fulfill, you know, some of that social need and maybe some of that need in terms of, you know, matching kind of your skills and what you're passionate about. But there's certain needs it's not going to fill in a sense. And I think it's recognizing, well, what are your other needs in your life? Like, what are things that sustain you? And really being able to create those things kind of outside of Wesleyan, in a sense. So is it a need in terms of spending time with people? Is it having a creative outlet? Like, what were the things that were sustaining you while you were here? And how do you work that into other aspects of your life? Because I think, you know, the concept in career now, I think it's life design in a sense, where I think you're designing different aspects of yourself in your life so you're having a fulfilling life, not just a fulfilling job in a sense, even though I think there's a hyper-focus on, I need to get a job after graduation. Right, right. There's there's the thing you do to support yourself and to build your resume and to build your skill sets, but it needn't be the be-all and end-all in terms of your personal development. There's certainly things you can do on the side. We certainly hear this a lot from students who have creative aspirations where they may be doing one thing to make money while they're improving their or working on their creative endeavors, you know, on the other end as well. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing because I think there's a, I don't know, you hear a lot of seniors talk about, especially in the creative field, feeling like, oh, they might have to give it up in order to make money in a sense. Right. Instead of, well, they may be doing something to make money and this creative endeavor will be another part of their life, whether they're making money with it or not. So making sure that they always have it in their life instead of having to make a choice between one or the other where you can actually pursue multiple paths at the same time. And I remember for me, like, um, I don't know, I was actually an economics major coming out of college. And, you know, my first job, I actually didn't really enjoy it. You know, I was working for a bank and, you know, it just didn't connect to my personality in a sense. But I would, you know, I just wanted to volunteer to be part, more part of my community in a sense. So I volunteered as a counselor, and I think that that volunteering and building community and actually being able to try that out actually led me to being a therapist. So it was something that, you know, was just something I was doing for fun or my enjoyment that actually kind of changed my career path in a way. Right. And that's something we talk about a lot as well is serendipity, that a lot of figuring out what you want to do with your life 
is your experiences in the work world. So that rather than expecting you to have it all figured out by the time you graduate from college, know that every experience you have is going to teach you a little bit more about what you like and what you don't like so that you'll eventually find that thing that really gets you up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know for, um, in thinking about it, I always talk to students about decision fatigue. Mm. So a lot of times we're trying to figure out what is the right path, what am I going to do, and it, I don't know, we get debilitated in a way. Instead of realizing, well, yeah, what am I just going to do next? And then you're going to learn through that experience, through, you're going to learn through action and create things through action. And if it's not the right thing, you'll learn something from it and you'll move to that next thing. Right. But that will create momentum instead of kind of just being stuck in your head. Yeah, we talk about choice paralysis okay. as well, particularly with liberal arts students where there's not necessarily a clear correlation between major and outcome. Yeah. You know, students can do summer internships or have full-time jobs after graduation that on the surface have nothing to do with what they studied because it's more about the transferable skill sets yeah. involved. But what that means is there's no obvious path either and that if you have an unlimited number of choices, that's too many choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how do you begin to, to narrow the field? I, I feel like that's a lot of what we do in the Career Center. Yeah. And I think that's really important work. And, you know, and it's, I don't know, I just think about the phrase people use a lot, follow your passion. Right. Which, I don't know, ways, I mean, that can be empowering in a sense, like you're not limited by choice. But I think people forget how overwhelming that could also be, knowing you have these unlimited choices and there's this pressure to find that one passion. Right. In a sense. And actually knowing it's okay not to know, or it's okay to be still figuring that out and working through it. and you know, that you're going to be doing a variety of different things. One other thing seniors have heard me say is your career is not your soulmate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most people have no idea what their passion is. Yeah. And for most people, it's going to take them many years to figure that out. Yeah. Because <laughs> I do think that is very uh, paralyzing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the word depression because we hear people say you know I graduated and I found I got really depressed and from your standpoint as a professional in that field working with people who are in that place where do you make that distinction between the kind of lowercase d depressed that is normal with any transition process and what is a capital d depressed that means you should be seeing somebody so I think, yeah, we use the word depression a lot, and I think people use that as more as a synonym with sadness, in a sense. And sadness is, again, it's the normal reaction to a transition or kind of a series of life events. And again, we have days where we feel sad, or we might have weeks in a sense. But I think in terms of actual, you know, we're defining as like clinical depression or the capital D, you know, the different markers are, well, is it lasting for a prolonged period of time? You know, are you feeling this periods of sadness all the time for, you know, weeks or months? Are you having trouble getting out of bed? Do you find it harder to engage with people or engage in activities that you used to like? And I think those are kind of some marks. And then also things like, are you having trouble going to sleep, in a sense? Or are you kind of sleeping too much? Or do you notice a lot of changes in your personality? And a lot of things you may notice yourself or those 
that actually may be feedback you might get from family or friends. So I think that would be really where you want to seek out professional help. What are some of the recommendations you have for self-care, you know, for students who are in this transition process and maybe juggling either trying to find a job or starting a new job, which is just as stressful. I always say that getting that first offer is more stressful than any other part of the job yeah. <laughs> process because it does mean you're starting that transition, but also moving to a new city, making new friends. What are some of the kind of baseline recommendations for just keeping themselves well during that time period? Yeah. Well, first, I actually differentiate uh, stress reduction and self-care. So how I differentiate it is stress reduction is just something we do in periods of high stress. So you, you may be at high period of stress, you may go to the gym, or you may talk to somebody, or you, there's a lot of different things that you can do. But you're only doing it in periods of high stress till it lowers, and then, again, that builds up over time, and then you may do something else to lower the stress. Versus self-care is something you're actually doing consistently. So maybe do something you're doing every few days or every week. And it's more about sustainability instead of in response to stress. So, so self-care is having a regular routine. And I think there's a lot of different aspects to that. I think having a supportive community is really important. So kind of this could be a community of friends and family, and you may already have that built in, or that may be kind of pursuing activities that may not be related to your major, your job search. Activities, things you like to do in your community where you're connecting with people that's not related to your job. You know, I think always having some form of exercise is really helpful. And they always say that's kind of the best thing in terms of just if you're experiencing kind of feelings of anxiety and stress, that's something that will lower it on a consistent basis. And I think also, in a sense, actually staying away from social media, in a sense, or kind of limiting that time. Because, you know, we talked about how social media, how you can, people present they're very happy moments. Maybe the times they're getting a job or things that are going well. But you don't actually know in terms of how people are struggling in a way or what they may be experiencing. So you kind of feel very alone versus I think when you're having more face-to-face -face interactions and more kind of connecting with your friends like in person that you can really get to know that better. So I think that's also really important. And then also, I, as I mentioned, not tying all your value to your, like getting a job in a sense. I mean, getting a job is important. I think it's something that fulfills us. But not. we need to pay attention to all these other aspects of our lives, our spiritual life, our physical life, our emotional life, and making sure that we're still paying, paying attention and we're very intentional about those pieces and that we're doing something each of those pieces to sustain ourselves. Because I think with the job search, where the job search is a tricky thing where you, it's not like a, school in a sense where you just have an end date where a paper is due and you'll get a grade, it's kind of unsure in terms of how how long it's going to last in a sense. So I think it's really paying attention to how you can sustain yourself, not tying your work to that job search and not really internalizing messages, but kind of really, and really focusing on your past success, that you did graduate from Wesleyan, which is a really strong school, you had successes, and that that job and that opportunity is going to come. And you also want it to be the right opportunity, because right. I think a lot of people maybe just go for the thing that's most available and realize maybe it's not the right fit. Right. In my dissertation, I called that the path of least resistance. <laughs> <laughs> it was something I saw very commonly 
uh, with mid-career folks that I interviewed for my dissertation. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, one other interesting thing that I find talking to new graduates is that parents tend to fall at either ends of a spectrum where you have some parents who put a lot of pressure on to choose very specific careers. Like, not only do we not want you home sleeping on the couch in the basement, but we also want you to pursue, pursue it either X or Y. And at the other end of the spectrum, you have parents, oh, come home for as long as you need to. You can do whatever you want. We just want to support you. And there's a certain amount of paralysis either way, because if a student doesn't want to do what their parents want them to do in this very narrow area, that causes tension. And they want to take some time to sort things out. And at the other end of the spectrum, the choice paralysis is not being helped <laughs> by yeah. very, in a sense, by very supportive parents who say, we want to support whatever you do. But if you have no idea what you want to do, you kind of end up in this vicious cycle as yeah. well. Uh, so that's it. We, we talked to some parents in the Career Center. Um, everything students do with us is further protected. So we do not talk specifically about individual students with parents in the career center, but some of these 10,000 feet issues. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. we sometimes have to have interesting conversations. Um, though going back to one thing that you said, one of the things that has come up talking to recent alums as well, that I found interesting is that when alums talk about interacting with their friends Either it be high school friends that might be living in the city that they've now adopted as their new home or friends from college who happen to be in the area as well. They're not talking about social media. They're not talking about Facebook. They're talking about texting. They're talking about the phone. They're talking about meeting up with them for drinks or, or what have you. You're right in that it's much more personal contact, whereas when they're referring to social media, it's more negative. Like, I feel like I'm comparing myself against my peers. Yeah, and I've seen that a lot. And I think it's just having that relational aspect in your life where you're having, you're really getting to know people and getting to know their lives and feeling connected instead of observing in a very passive way. Right. In a sense. And I don't know, I mean, another tip in terms of, you know, for people just coming out of school, even just getting to know people's careers, like really sitting down and doing informational interviews and, getting to know people's stories and the way they mm -hmm. struggled and how they worked through that in a sense. Because yeah, if you look at somebody's resume or you look at somebody's profile or whatever, or LinkedIn profile, like, yeah, you see these successes that are there or their skills or the way they're presenting themselves in that way. But when you really sit down with a person, like you know how they work through something. Right. Right. And that's actually, that's a good plug for my original podcast, Careers by Design. <laughs> Careers by Design, the interview is when I was interviewing some of our most influential alumni, but I was forcing them to really get into the weeds of what did you major in at Wesleyan? What did you do the moment after you graduated? How did your parents feel about that decision? And really force them to tell that story in a more detailed way than they're typically doing, you know, to the media or what have you for that exact reason. Cause it's rarely a linear path with a clear through line. You know, it's usually a lot of serendipity involved, a lot of different twists and turns. I could never have anticipated being where I am now, you know, this kind of narrative. Yeah. And I think that's also the part of actually, I don't know, that career exploration, especially after graduation, being an active approach. So I think the more active you are and the more you're putting yourself out there in different aspects, the more you're creating the opportunities for that serendipity to happen. 
Here's some great advice from Zach Mintz, class of 2015, who works in finance. Yeah, I mean, expect a, a tough first year. Um, I, everyone I've spoken to, older and younger than me, that, that first transition year is very difficult. You're, you know, getting acclimated to a new city, a new job. Um, you know, while, you know, at least I could speak to New York City, there's tons of people there. Um, it's not like Wesley and you could walk down the street and, you know, run into friends and kind of have that support system. Um, but, you know, people are only a phone call away. I think it's important to stay very mentally tough. Um, you know, stay very organized and stay very diligent. Um, you know, things will get easier, obviously, the, the more time you spend doing it, um, you know, and, and the adjustment will come. But I say, you know, keep your, keep your head up. Also enjoy the transition and, uh, you, know, you know, be forward thinking with the plan, but also, you know, remember to see today and, you know, live in the moment and kind of really appreciate everything that's going on. Any other final words of wisdom for students who are getting ready to graduate? For me, it's just really, as I mentioned, kind of just recognizing that, you know, coming to college was a big transition. And it was something that students have really worked hard to get through, and they've learned a lot about themselves. And that, you know, just leaving college, they're not the same persons that they came into college being, in a sense. And just kind of just remember that as they kind of move into their career. And then remember that, you know, they're still going to grow, and they're still going to explore. And that's just going to be a constant process. But they actually have more, they're going to move into that process with more awareness about themselves and more awareness about what they want and what they need. So each time you're, even though you're kind of facing all these transitions, I think you're bringing a stronger sense of self and awareness to that. Absolutely. Neil, thank you so much for joining me on First Year Out. Thank you. Hi, First Year Out listeners. For this track, I've decided to include some bonus material. This is Azal Mutar, class of 2014, who started her career with executive search firm Spencer Stewart, and who today works for LinkedIn, talking about her experience creating a new professionals group in New York. Enjoy. Graduating from New York, um, from university and moving to New York, in itself was completely terrifying. I grew up in Istanbul. I'm used to that, like, large, chaotic city environment. But New York is completely different. And it's you have people from all over the place, from all different backgrounds. And everyone is, I don't know, I think I can have, like, an hour-long conversation just about New York. It's, it's interesting because it's such a crowded place that you feel so lonely. Um, it's interesting, like you see people on the streets, they all have a place to go, like they know exactly what they want to do. And when you graduate from college and you move to New York, unless you have a really strong like circle of friends there who also graduated with you and moved to New York, and in my case that wasn't the situation, you kind of feel lost. I think what's really hard about living in New York and like building a community for yourself is that everyone's so busy. Right, everyone has a place to go, um, things that they need to do. So you really need to be thoughtful and conscious about who you want to spend your time with and make sure to carve time um, in your day to hang out with them. I actually realized that maybe like the Young Professionals Network that I was really looking for wasn't fully there. Um, so I ended up creating my own young professional group, um, which actually um, grew really substantially. And 
yeah, so I started organizing events, inviting people that I know, and then asking them to invite other people, etc. And what I realized when I was working at Spencer Stewart was that people, I was in a very unique spot because every day my job was to sit with senior executives and talk about the future of work. Right. They told us about the vision that they had for their company and who they were looking for and what skills that their current employees didn't have that they like were looking for, right? And other people who would be coming in. And so my position was unique because as someone who just stepped into the business world, I had that exposure. I was in those conversations and I could teach myself, okay, like these are the skills that people are looking for. Like I should really make sure to develop those skills if I don't already have them. And I realized that a lot of my friends or people I knew who were in um, one specific industry doing like a specific functional role, they were siloed to their day-to-day jobs and they didn't always have that exposure. So I created TIPS, which is the name of my young professionals group, and its goal really is to bring people who have up to five years of work experience together and have them share common experiences. I usually do um, talks and workshops that are led by people who um, innovated themselves um, constantly. I try to bring in lots of industry leaders who have, who have either like changed careers or um, done like really cool things with their careers and have really, um, I think, inspiring and stimulating conversations around how things are changing and how can we be better prepared regardless of what industry and function we're in. Is there a website for your group or something like that that people could check out? Yes. Yes. It's called um, tipsnyc.org. T-I-P-S-N-Y-C.org. Yeah. Great. Enjoyed First Year Out? Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review so others will find us. Still trying to figure out what to do after graduation? Check out our online course, Career Decisions from Insight to Impact, available on Coursera. First Year Out is produced by Sharon Belden-Castingway. Our associate producer is Lynx Mitchell, Wesleyan Class of 2018.